Welcome to Showboys, a podcast that delves into the world of film and TV. Hosts Nick and Mike jump to light speed to a galaxy far, far away and recap the latest adventures of our favorite bounty hunter and his pet in this Space Odyssey Spaghetti Western. In this week's episode, the Mandalorian braves the high seas and meets unexpected allies. So, what's the heiress? Another exciting episode of the Showboys Mandalorian Companion Series. This week we cover Chapter 11, The Heiress, and I'm joined as always with me is Mike. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk about this episode. Yeah, this one was uh, packed to the brim, to say the least, I would, I would think, you know. It is the shortest running episode so far this season, um, and there's a lot, you know, going on every single, every single scene, every single minute. It yeah, just never stops. Yeah, uh, and as someone who's not as well versed in the the Star Wars universe and lore and stuff, like even I was like, okay, there seems to be a lot of very important things going on right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, before we jump into you know our recap and breakdown of Chapter 11 here, um, I just want to give everyone a little update that uh, I have started to do something I've put off for basically my entire life, and that is attempt to catch up on all the Star Wars stuff. Now, Cue uh, the kinda, cheers, the clapping. I know, right? You know. Woo! And the crowd goes wild. Um, but yeah, I was, I, like I've mentioned before, I, I saw the original trilogy when I was a child. So it's it's a little spotty, to say the least. Uh, but other than that, I haven't seen anything aside from, you know, all of the Mandalorian episodes. And um, Rogue One, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, that's the extent of my uh, Star Wars um, watching. And um, I kind of found out, like, why I had been putting it off for so long. And uh, I was talking to my wife to, uh, earlier today. And uh, so I watched, all this being said, I watched Solo last night. And um, it was such a sweet movie. I liked it a lot. It was really cool. But... Uh, I discovered about halfway through the movie, I was just like, this whole, the whole world of Star Wars is so deep, and there's just, like, so much there to get just completely, like, engulfed in, and I think that's why I've been putting it off so much, because the way my personality is, whenever I, uh, find something I like, like, I go, I go hard, and I go deep, and I just, like, consume everything possible that I can of that one thing and there's just so much Star Wars stuff that uh after a while I was just like well 
if I if I'm really am to get into this stuff, like it's gonna be a long road. Um, but I mean, hey, we're in what month nine, nine, eight, eight or nine of of our <laughs> twenty twenty quarantine, uh, and I have nothing better to do. Uh, so I started last night, and upon your recommendation, Nick, I started with Solo, and it was really sweet, and I'm excited to continue my journey in the movies. Um, you know, that's, you know, seeing Rogue One in the original trilogy kind of loosely in your mind, I mean, that's a, to me, that was a great direction to go, and I'm really happy um, you're enjoying it and you like that movie, because that's... Next to Rogue One, those two, Solo and Rogue One, are just really good in my mind. I don't know where I would place them with everything else, but they are just standout good. Um, especially just being modern films, but still capturing all the, you know, Star Wars essence. So, that is right, big yeah. news. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Rogue One. I, I was able to catch that one in theaters, actually, like nice. when it was released, so... That was a cool experience and kind of sad I didn't get to do the same with Solo, but um, it was still fun to watch at home. And, like, I, I have enough, like, passing knowledge of Star Wars that, like, the Hard noticeable things, I'm just, mm-hmm. I, I'm like, oh, that's really cool that they did that. But, I like, I, I kind of at this point wish that I was, like, you know, as current as possible because I probably would have appreciated that movie way more. I don't know. Yeah, and I was thinking about, I think it was like the last episode, or maybe even both the episodes, um, just from an outsider's perspective, you know, sometimes I notice you're looking at something or like, you know, what's the big story there? And like sometimes with Star Wars, there really isn't much more of a story there, because it's probably the first time they drop something into the universe. So it's this constant just blend of, oh, let's reference old stuff, let's continue old storylines but let's also just add a bunch of new stuff so it's just this <laughs> yeah. constantly evolving space to be in space literally literally uh, space but yeah it, it's been super cool so i'm excited to you know pick that up maybe after we're done recording tonight i might you know put on another another one but eh, that might be pushing it um but yeah let's uh Let's get into the heiress here. This was, uh, like like we said, jam-packed full of goodies. So, so let's go. Yeah. yeah, let's dive right into this. And I'll kind of, you know, I'll lead this one and probably point you in the direction of, like, a bunch of different things you can go watch. But we'll stick to the movies for now. Because um, this very much so is kind of uh, building on Dave Filoni's kind of, like, children of Star Wars, all his storylines is really what's coming to fruition here. So he did a lot of, like, the animated stuff, right? Or, like, all of the animated stuff? Or did he do, like, actual live-action films, too? Or So, uh, you know, in short, he's kind of the creator of The Clone Wars and originally handpicked by George Lucas to kind of see that project. And he's kind of been crafted by George Lucas to be the Star Wars IP heir, if you will. Mm. Like okay. if George Luke, like George Lucas can die now because Dave <laughs> Dave exists. Um, so what I'm getting out of this is, um, you know, George R. R. Martin probably should have you know taken a similar path and maybe Game of Thrones right. wouldn't have ended so poorly. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. He needs to, or he's never going to finish the books, and that's just going to be a mess <laughs> forever. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of this newer stuff, especially with Disney, Dave's heavily involved. Lucas is in the background as kind of like his mentor, and then everything flows through Dave and then John and beyond. So diving right into this episode, we're picking right up where we left off on the last one. The Razor Crest comes limping to his destination. As they say, Trask is the planet here. And it's like the last or only place that uh, the frog people can breed their children or raise them at least so you know i think this was a shot that was in like the trailer and it's the razor crest just like in shambles just floating through space <laughs> so you know they show up at the planet and the landing gear is not working the guidance system's all trash so they got you know manda's got to bring it in fresh manually and you know it's coming in hot and then it's aiming right for that dock, and I love the kind of like overview of that whole kind of port town. Yeah. That was a really good world building experience. There's a lot of detail in that shot, and I and I do enjoy generally the detail that they pack into this little place where mostly the entire episode takes place. But comes almost makes it to the dock. You got Amon Calamarian. That was the guy that was standing there. And he's just kind of got his, you know, hands on his hips, like, what the hell is this guy doing? <laughs> yeah. Almost love, makes it. What do you yeah. say? What do you say? You said it was like nice and easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then not and so then much. <laughs> engine blows and just takes a dump into the to the harbor, and I, that was hilarious. That was a good bit of comedy right off the gate. Yeah, I loved. Uh, I loved the spectator just standing there like what what is this guy doing (laughs) yeah i take it he he's basically the version of what's her name on Tatooine. you know oh yeah yeah. you know that was probably his doc and this jackass coming in hot here with his (laughs) yeah uh i will say um i thought it was funny how similar trask uh like the 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 uh like space shot of Trask kind of looks like earth. Um, but that's probably just because of all the water contents and stuff. Lots of water. Um, yeah. But again, like the whole descent into Trask's atmosphere and, um, the, the wide shots of the port city and, uh, the huge, like ATAT crane, and like just that whole sequence of events again just like nails the visuals and the special effects like that whole sequence was so gorgeous to watch yeah and i was gonna point this out later but um bryce dallas howard um directs this episode Mm -hmm. and um being the daughter of um, ron howard and you know directing episodes in the last season she did just a really good job uh, executing this and this you know just like you said every moment there of every sequence is just packed with stuff from the sound from the visuals from just even like the comedy of the ship just taking the dump into the harbor <laughs> and you're like yeah. you know i thought the razor crest was going to make it hit there and not quite um yeah. and good call out on the whole like at at crane you know they got the classic at sounds in there um mm-hmm. That was that was in solo. That was the first time that was seen was in yeah. solo. But this was a... I I picked that up last night. I was like, "Hey, I feel like I just saw that." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, down in Karelia. Um, yeah. 
What a what a town, huh? Yeah. So yeah, so this is Trask. We show up here. Tons of Korans, which are kind of like the squid squid chin people, and then uh, the Mon Calamarians <laughs> are, um, you know, the Doc guy, Admiral yeah, Akbar. Yeah, yeah. It's a trap. Yeah. All that. <laughs> it's like squid chins. I love it. That's got to be some some sort of derogatory <laughs> term for them. <laughs> yeah. Really. Uh, I mean, I and love... also, it just reminds me of a, I believe it's Davy Jones in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Dude, did you read my notes? We never no. talked about stuff before the show, but I literally have that written down. Yes, sir. Um, did not like read them. All, all the, the aliens, or like the all the species on Trask are so cool. And yeah, I wrote down that they give me a real Davy Jones, <clears throat> Pirates of the Caribbean, and like the, the Mon Calamari uh, people, they kind of like make me think of Futurama for some oh, okay. reason. Yeah, I, yeah. Forget the, I forget the yeah. guy's name from Futurama, but like, I just, yeah, I don't know. The whole, like, aquatic theme of Trask and the species there is super cool to me. Yeah, and um, there's a, in Clone Wars, there's a there's a series of episodes that deal with a conflict between the Corrin uh, and the Mon Calamari on their home planet. Um, so it's interesting to see them just kind of living, coexisting on this other planet as well, just kind of living a swashbuckling life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's really, you know, yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean for sure. Like it's that murky, misty port town. Everything's wet. Um, <laughs> and apparently gross. the, you know, that's all that you really see there except for the frog people, which are the only frog couple in town. It appears. Um, yeah. So maybe they are the last of their kind. I'm not I sure. Say that was, that was pretty cute seeing the little uh, reunion of Mr. and Mrs. Frog Lady people. Yeah, that's fun that they sneak that little that little bit of sentiment into the episode amongst all this other stuff happening. The Mando's yeah. just like, that's cute. Where can I meet some Mandalorians? <laughs> yeah. Frog yeah. guy's like, that way. Just kind of points, and he's like, okay, the inn, per usual. Let's go to the inn, get some right. info. Um. But in that whole sequence, mysterious onlooker gazes from the crates and then disappears. Yeah. Who might that be? Uh, I believe that would be Miss Sasha Banks. Yeah. Who's the actri- or actress, uh, but I believe she's a, a wrestler, WWE or something like that. Anyways. They seem to like to pull uh, wrestlers and uh, MMA fighters. Um, yeah, for well, who's the character from season one? I forget her name, but she's in hot water apparently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, Kara, is that Kara, Kara Dune, Kara Dune? I'm pretty sure okay. something so, along that line. Hey, look at that! Piece Woo. it together. Uh, yeah. Anyways, but yeah, so um, I think you know. I can't remember if the rumors were when they saw that she got casted, if they were thinking she was going to be a different character, but she definitely ended up not being that character who's later referred to in this episode. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll move on though. She's just, no one knows anything about her yet, but she was just creepily standing Mysterious. there watching Mando. Yeah. So, you know, into the, another inn, and you know, innkeepers like have a seat. He shows up. He's like, what do you need? He's like, I'll take some chowder for the baby. I'm not going to have nothing. Dude's like, what the heck, man? Seats are scarce. <laughs> Got to eat something. He's like, I'm not going to eat. Can't take the helmet off. All that jazz. I didn't say that, but um, he's like, I'll buy some info. He's like, all right. 
you know, he does some gets the gets the shady corn guy come on over. He's like, I can find you some Mandos. They're like three hours sail away. You can come on with me. Meanwhile, Baby Yoda gets an entanglement with a little squid <laughs> thing from his from his chowder. Yeah, that chowder certified fresh, baby. I would eat it. I would eat it. <laughs> I don't know what your fascination with chowder is, but it disgusts me. Yeah, I'm um, sorry. But yeah, I think we had a nice, I don't know, intentionally, it would have to be intentionally, a little face hugger nod, you know? Yeah, another one. They keep popping up this yeah. season. Um, but the Corrin, you know, he's got that, that kind of swashbuckling pirate kind of twang yeah. to his voice i couldn't quite place it at first but that's really kind of what it is yeah um, um yeah old old squin squid chin he seems a little fishy yeah pun very much intended yeah so i don't think anything else really happens there you know cut scene they're on a they're on a cool boat cue the cool mandalorian music and they're out to sea and they're on this boat corn dude really wants them to check out the thing they got now i can't i couldn't figure out if it's in the boat under the boat or just in the water um yeah i think it was just like they go i think it's just in the water right and they go to like the general area where they and they kind of lure it it might be and they're like here's some fish watch it eat yeah anyway he's real hot to have them come check this thing out the kid's gonna love it you know, so they open up, feed the fish. He just smacks Baby Yoda into the little hole, hole there, and they attack Mando. Mando dives in, try to save the baby. They close the gates. See, that's why I think it's part of the ship because he was like trapped under there. I don't know. Yeah, that part also did. I was just like, why don't you just swim around? Yeah, and like, why didn't that thing just swim away? I think it's it's somehow in the boat anyway. Yeah. Close the gate. They're like stabbing him with those pikes. And, you know, they just want that Beskar armor. That's just valuable. It's hot yeah, commodity. Bro. It's like everyone. Every little quarry he gets into, it's just like, maybe you shouldn't have had that sweet upgrade. You know, it's yeah, kind of like it's kind of like that feeling when you go into PvP or something, and, like, you got that bounty on your head. Cause oh, you, yeah. You, you did really sweet in the last round or whatever, and just everyone's mm-hmm. out gunning for you. It's just, like, feels bad, bro. Yeah, and it, when people feel like they, or you have like the sweet gear on, and everyone feels like they can gang up on you, but won't do, take you on one on one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, this creature that eats Baby Yoda, luckily his pod closes up, and that thing's just rock solid. It's basically like a, a an amphibious sarlacc, is how I interpreted it. Dude, oh, quit reading my notes. I'm sorry. Um, hey, that's what it is. It's a water sarlacc. Um. So it looks pretty dire. Mando's like drowning. Baby Yoda's missing. And then out come from the sky, Mando's. Mando's everywhere. Three of them to be exact with very sweet looking armor. It's raining Mando's. We need to make a parody song. I mean, throwback to season one somewhere in there when like 20 of them all came jumping out of the sky. That's right. Um... But, you know, we get this really cool music that will keep coming back. Dude, I do really enjoy their their music whenever their scenes happen. It's really yes. sweet. Yeah, and they tied it to a really great character. So, you know, they're all just kicking ass. They kill all them pretty quickly. A lot of cool little zip line 
Batman wrist tie stuff. I don't know what <laughs> yeah. to call it. Um, yeah. Tripping him up, beating him up, all that jazz. Um, they they save Mando, pull him out of the water. And he's like the kid, the child, whatever it is, save it. <laughs> I believe uh, the actor you called out earlier, she dives right in her character and mm-hmm. you see some blaster fire under the water and then out she comes flying with baby Yoda a little dented in the thing rips off the thing luckily baby Yoda's okay yet again yeah uh their their armor is so cool looking it's got that nice blue shine to it and it's definitely not the best car that we see on on our mando um but one thing i noticed is uh in in the scene where <clears throat> the character to be named later helps uh our mandalorian up out of the the little caged water area uh you get a, a close-up intentionally of her helmet and you see the insignia right it's like that upside down triangle in between the two eye looking uh things and then there's another very intentional scene where you see her grab mando's hand and you see his gauntlet, which has just a solid blue triangle insignia. Mm-hmm. Now, as someone who knows nothing, I'm assuming that means they're from different clans or tribes or sects or whatever they call it in Star Wars. Um, and then, yeah, we find out that in, in a few minutes that that's exactly what that is. Right. And this, I mean, this is a pretty cool little sequence here. And it actually is pretty pivotal for the show because they finally answer a question that a lot of people have um and they reveal a pretty big character here so you know the character revealed is Bo-Katan and she kind of has like an owl it's like an owl insignia um and that's um I believe it's the night owls and they're kind of like a group of Mandalorians and their armor is painted blue whereas Mando's isn't it's just like raw Beskar and so mm. different clans paint their armor different colors. So is it um, still the same like material, still best card, just with a coat of paint on it, basically? Correct, yeah. Okay. Um, and they kind of established that in Rebels and Clone Wars that, you know, they all kind of have different color schemes to their armor. Uh, there's a particular character that's kind of like a graffiti Mandalorian, and she just has like really d- <laughs> graffitied up. Mand- Her armor's just got the full paint job, multiple colors, stuff like that. Um, But, so, in typical Mando fashion, he's like, whoa, Mandalorians, I've been looking for you. And then they're just like, cool, we're about to have a conversation with bro here. Take off their helmets. (laughs) He's just like, crushed again. He's like, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that armor? You're not Mandalorians. Just so accusatory. So so bent on this. Take a chill pill, bro. And then, you know, dude who's with the trio there, he's like, ah, it's, he's one of them. He's like, one of what? And then we get the, you know, the reveal actually from Bo-Katan. She's like, I am Bo-Katan. These are my people. I've had this armor for generations in my family. Um, I'm an, a legit Mandalorian. Sorry. You are a child of the watch. Um, so they kind of toss a lot of terms around in there. Um that mean a lot of things and there's a lot to dig into there. Um, but I'll only go as far as you want to go on that. Well, no, let's go all the way. That's the point of the show, right? Um, so 
first we find out that the watch is a cult of religious zealots as she puts it so that kind of answers that whole trope of of din right that's our mandalorian's yep. name since we're talking about multiple mandalorians i figure we probably should just use names right time to call so, him din yeah so din uh he finds out much to his surprise apparently that not all mandalorians are the same uh, and yeah it's kind of nice to finally i mean we i think it's been assumed that this is the case right with his constant surprise when people take their helmets off uh, but it's nice to like actually finally get like an in show answer an explanation for that yeah, because it was only a matter of time that he ran into actual Mandalorians where in the rest of canon, they take off their helmets whenever they damn well please. And right. it's always in that very dramatic fashion after they kick ass and they just kind of take them off and put them to their <laughs> side. Yeah. Um, it never fails. Yeah, but... so let's let's really dig into this whole conversation, though. So okay. she talks about the her, her suit being passed through her family for generations and uh she reveals that you know she's from mandalore i don't know if she actually says that she's from mandalore or if she just basically is like um does yeah does she go yeah. into that at this point um, um to some it, degree yeah okay and then yeah we get the nice explanation there of of the two different uh What's the in-universe term for these? Clans? Yeah, clans. But clans. at this point... So, let me see if I can do a Mandalorian recap or of the Mandalorians in Star Wars universe. So, Mandalorians have been around for a long time. And they used to like have wars with the Jedi on like galactic scale. Because they at one point tried to conquer the entire galaxy because they're badasses. Um <laughs> Anyway, like fast forward, if you get into kind of the the in movie universe that you know the prequels are in, and you know these ones are in, particularly during the Clone Wars, Mandalore, the planet, went under this way of peace, where actually Bo-Katan's sister was the ruler of Mandalore, and they were all about peace and like technology and being like friendly. Well, that obviously made, like, true Mandalorians or um, very traditional Mandalorians upset that they were all about peace when really they should all be about war. So a group called the Death Watch broke off from Mandalore and is kind of the basis of what this children of the Watch are. Exactly how that all fits together, they haven't really revealed, but Death Watch is this big breakaway terrorist group, if you will, of Mandalorians trying to mm. restore the old way of Mandalore. Well, through Star Wars, the Clone Wars, all this stuff that takes place throughout the movies, that's really kind of undone. And Mandalore is just really kind of a bunch of clans at this point, all mm. fighting for power. Like within themselves for like control of the planet? Yeah, within themselves, the Empire takes control of the planet. Some of the Mandalorian clans um, side with the Empire, and that can be seen in Rebels. Um, and actually, Bo-Katan used to be part of Death Watch, but she broke away from Death Watch to pursue her um, kind of like true destiny as actual 
clan royalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the actress that plays Bo in the show is the same that voiced her in the animated stuff, correct? I cannot confirm that, actually. I think I saw that somewhere, so... Um, for now, we're going to assume that it is true. <laughs> that's um, that's fair to say because, to me, they nailed her as a live-action character who is, up till now, been animated. Okay, let me uh, let me do some typing real quick. Um, but yeah, so this this scene kind of ties into the next scene where, um, kind of. Uh, we we leave the ship like Din's pretty disappointed because he's like what the heck like just, are... he just he just grabs Baby Yoda and he takes off he's like yeah. I ain't yeah, talking to you guys he's like what the heck you guys aren't real Mandalorians like I think that's what he's thinking of in his mind um, yeah but so he goes back to like the the port and uh, old Squid Squid Chin and his you know. Squ- Squid Chin's brother. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, obviously, because <laughs> original Squid Chin got murked on the ship. Uh, but, yeah, he's like, hey, you you killed my brother. And, you know, oh, here we go again. Mandalorian, sur- he's surrounded. Uh, but, you know, the, the trio of, of Bo-Katan's tr- crew, they, they swoop in and save the day again. And this is kind of where Bo gets a little more detailed in like what they're doing there, like what mm-hmm. everything that's going on. So why don't you kind of break that down while I do a little digging on the internet? Yeah. So apparently it took, um, him, him getting his ass saved a second time from the fine. Be like, okay, I'll give you guys the time of day. They're like, can we at least buy you a drink? So they head on over to the inn, um, after being saved by squid chin's brother and his gang. Um, and, you know, they're actually having a conversation uh, to Din just to kind of about who they are, what they're doing there. Crast here seems to be some sort of weapon smuggling, moving planet, and the Empire's just gearing up. They've been hitting the Empire and, like, taking these weapons because they plan on taking back Mandalore. You know, she drops in the bit that Mandalorians are stronger together, which does go against Mando's... Um, philosophy of you know i'm alone i'm better off alone kind of thing so that's where you kind of start to see this conflict between what din knows and was kind of raised to believe versus this other aspect of what mandalorians actually are and they do a good job kind of exploring this throughout the episode um so she explains that she's after something that she needs to take back Mandalore. Um, Din seems to give off a weird notion that anyone that goes back to Mandalore dies after the Imperials decide they couldn't control it. They just made it so that no one could be there. And she's like, don't believe everything you hear. You know, they, tr- you know, our enemies try to separate us, but we are stronger together. Yeah. Um, so, so she kind of, you know, alludes that, you know, the, the port is like a, black market weapon staging area um and kind of reveals her plan to you know steal those in efforts to kind of help her you know reclaim mandalore um 
And, uh, of course, in typical uh, Din fashion, he cannot resist a side quest. (laughs) Well, he tries to, though. For once, he's just like, no, I have to take the baby to the Jedi. And Yeah, but then she like she's like, but if you help us, we'll help you. It gives him that look like you cannot resist. Right, because finally, <laughs> finally he gets as close as he, he's ever gotten. And she's like, I, you know, she's like, well, one, what do you know of the Jedi? And he's like, I don't know anything about the Jedi. I was hoping you, by honor of our creed, can help me. She's like, yeah. well, I can't because I happen to know... I can lead you to a Jedi. And he's like, all right, we're in business. I guess I will accept this side quest. So at, at this point in the, like, Star Wars canon, Mandalore was taken by the Empire at this point? Or is she talking about, uh, like, the throne being overtaken by, like, another clan? So um, the Empire took control of Mandalore during their reign through Mm -hmm. the original trilogy Um, and even like during Solo. So think of during Solo, that movie, Mm -hmm. the Empire was trying to control um, Mandalore. And basically they couldn't because Mandalorians are just very badass and resilient. So even though they had Mandalorians on their side, they still could not control that planet. So they just kind of like ditched it and it's just really a a lot of infighting at this point. Okay, and at so this she's... point, the empire isn't really around. So it's probably just like a big power vacuum. Okay. So, yeah. So she's referring to trying to reclaim it from other clans then. Is kind yeah. Of the... Okay. Yeah. Other clans and whatever else that's going on there. That just isn't the way. <laughs> the way. Uh, yeah. Yep. So, so there, her whole plan is to hijack a cruiser um, that's loaded with these weapons. Uh, Cut to... scene to them chilling on the top of the Razor Crest. Real cool. Yeah. They're all just kind of kicking back like, we're going to take that place. Yeah, bro. Um, but yeah, so their their whole plan is we're going we're gonna to get onto this cruiser and we're going to take the cargo before they're able to um, basically jump into... Uh, hyperspace because you know they can only go so fast you know while they're in the port you know to follow the port you know regulations and whatnot so that should give them enough time to you know, get in and out and get their stuff yeah and the port authority there is um i mean they have these rules but they're not good at enforcing them because mando just kind of crashed in and they're just <laughs> like hey slow down uh hey slow down he's like i really can't and just did it anyways. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they use the, the rules of the port to their advantage because the ship can't just take off. So there's going to be some time while it's trolling where they can jump onto the ship as it's leaving. Yeah. And I loved... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say Amanda, you know, is always interested in how many bad guys there is. She's like, eh, a squad at most. Yeah, now, I don't know bad. if a squad is supposed to be five or like. 50 because there's right. definitely more than five but whatever <laughs> right. i loved the uh the dude who's in uh bo's crew i mm-hmm. didn't catch his name but like i loved his little like tongue-in-cheek nod to how stormtroopers can't like actually yep. get anything that they shoot at. <laughs> it's like they can they can't hit the side of a bantha yeah i love that that was pretty great oh and then uh mando he our our din our dearest din uh becomes a responsible 
caretaker and he gets a babysitter. Yeah, I mean, this kind of is a nod back to season one when he leaves Yoda, I believe, with the the port, the you know, the, the hangar, hangar person. Yeah. When he, is that where Baby Yoda is when he goes and like takes over the frigate with um, Bill Burr? I think so. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, because he seems to know when shit's about to get really hairy, and I, I would like to know <laughs> yeah. it, in his mind where his thinking's at, where it's like, all right, too dangerous. Not too dangerous. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also loved his little uh, mind your manners. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, you know what I'm talking he about. Throws them off. It's like, He's like, those things are almost born. Don't eat yeah. them. You can't be eating baby eggs right in front of the parents. Okay, bro? You yeah. need to keep your cool. Uh, but yeah, so... Um, that was... Yeah, so, I mean, before we hit the next sequence, which is huge, um, anything kind of lingering out there no it's all starting to come together at this point where you you hear Bo's um like kind of grand grander plan of Mm -hmm. why she needs the help and um even though they kind of uh, Bo and Din had their differences you know a scene before or two scenes before I think you know deep down Din wants Mandalorians to like prosper or like well, sur- you know do more than just like survive. So I think he's like at, at least my idea is like he kind of reluctantly will help because it's for the Mandalorians, right? Yeah, and this and this is very much a show about his evolution as a Mandalorian, you know. We kind of meet him where he's just kind of like a scruffy one, a good one, but a scruffy one without actual armor. He gets that armor. And, he, you know, now that we know that this was kind of like a cult, he seems to be very kind of um, sheltered, at least. And I, th- it's really him kind of like a coming of age where he sees different ways that Mandalorians are. And this is a lot of what he's getting from Bo because she is, one, a natural leader. She talks with authority and she makes a lot of sense like she has the same principles as him just they're much more galactic at scale like they're actually fitting into the ethos of everything going on whereas his is more like this is the way and you know the armor just told me to take the the baby to a jedi (laughs) um so and i think he had you know there's a growing respect there and you know the dude that's with her you know, he's just kind of, ah, oh, he's one of them. And she's kind of, like, gives him that side eye, like, you know, be easy. Like, yeah. he's still a Mandalorian. And she respects that, too. Even though he's a little misguided, she knows she can work at him. Right. So, yeah, it's a really cool dynamic here as this is a very big pivotal episode. So, cutting right to that really badass music, we got the... Got that freighter taken off, which, once again, the visuals, the sound, you know, the music, it all just fuses together very well. And, you know, you can really kind of feel this ship taking off. Did a good job with the engines and all that. And you see it flying away, and then you get the four jetpacks overseen yeah, over it, top. It, it just looks so cool. Like, the visuals for, like... 
a 30 minute episodic show like mind oh, blowing yeah. mind blowing yeah. they they spare no expense they just whatever we're disney we have all the money in the world we'll spend it we don't care if this is only like a 26 minute show um here it's enjoy it's so the polished. eye candy it's so yeah good. it's so polished and that music really just like you know you're about to hit a crazy sequence yeah. um and they really do you know so they they fly in land on top of this thing kick some stormtrooper ass splice into the into the ship um and you know you're kind of you're kind of seeing the the captain at this point i believe and they're like oh they're pirates and you know he's given his whole deal can i ask but, you a question about the captain before we go yeah. further mm-hmm. um well first before my question uh i don't know if i said this but the actress who plays Bo uh is in fact the actress who voices her um, perfect her name is katie sackoff um but yeah so that's kind of really cool that they used her voice for the live action that's sweet um and yeah. then i found out the name of the character that sasha banks plays and that is mercedes varnado so i don't know hmm. does that name ring mm-hmm. a bell to you nope no okay um but yeah so then to my question about the captain of the ship uh this dude is in like the actor who plays this dude is in a ton of things so i might just yeah. be like like having a uh you know freudian slip of the mind but um is this captain a character in any of the movies or anything or am i just like seeing the guy who play the actor who plays this captain and like assuming that i've seen him in a star wars thing before you know so you're probably seeing two things you're seeing him and all the other stuff you've seen him in and then all the imperial kind of captains and stuff they all have this in or imperial officers should i say they all have the same look they all look mm. very much the same they're like kind of grumpy british guys um <laughs> that are in that are nazis you know right so Okay, so the consensus is this is not like a returning character from nah anything. Okay, if it, yeah, if it was, um, I mean, quick demise. But we'll get to right. that. Yeah, I was um, like, this guy. I've seen him in like a hundred thousand things. Like, yeah. Anyways, continue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, they're kind of like mildly panicking because they're like, "Crap, this isn't gonna go good." Um, but you get this great scene where they kind of like splice in through the side of the ship Bo-Katan goes in first wrist blade out and just slices up some stormtroopers <laughs> like it's nobody's business yeah. her 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 two sidekicks come in just blasting and they kind of like execute this really badass strut down the hall like the three of them in line and then Mando kind of just like comes in and he's like whoa like yeah. you know he's he's through this whole sequence he's kind of lagging behind yeah. and i think he's like really taken aback at how just effective they are like they are just dead accurate machines at just murdering these dumb stormtroopers right um yeah their uh ability as a a three person crew is very very cool to see for sure like they've definitely been through some stuff together and they really you know they know what they're doing how to execute the the tactical 
things that they need to to accomplish the the mission at hand. Um, so two things here. The alarm that they use in the Star mm-hmm. Wars stuff, like, seriously is one of my favorite sounds ever. Like, the, I could just listen. The Imperial all, Alarm. Yeah. Oh, so good. Like, just play the alarm on repeat, nothing else, and I'll be satisfied. Um, it's like, it's a horn alarm. It, it's it's a really cool sound. It almost just sounds like somebody yelling. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I'm convinced that that's what they did to get that act the actual audio for that is like just someone going ah, and then like <laughs> layering it with like a bunch of effects and stuff um but the other thing is to me it is truly astonishing how the empire like seized control of the galaxy using stormtroopers like how did any of these people like graduate from you know the empire military academy when clearly they cannot operate a blaster to like save their life yeah unfortunately i can answer that um and kind of back to the sound bit there's actually really good documentaries on the making of the original trilogy and how very practically they came up with all these sounds because they, they had a small budget but they made all these sounds just like with very practical kind of like you know banging banging tin cans together right or like mm. running um because like the cables like those metal cables that yeah, like when they snap they that the sound sound right yeah they, yeah a lot of different things like that so yeah. there's just really cool when it comes to, like you're an audio guy I, I i might have to dig up some stuff for you um oh, yeah, kind of reference love i love that stuff yeah, so they definitely, yeah, they carry those sounds forward, and, you know, they still kind of do it that way. Um, and, you know, just a quick note on the Empire. So, at this point, the Empire is kind of disgruntled. You know, it's just, it's this is fragments of the Empire. And as you kind of saw at the end of Season 1, how, like, the two um, scout troopers on their bikes, they're kind of, like, real lazy, and yeah. all the stormtroopers are just kind of, like, lackluster, you know, guns for hire at this point. Mm. Um, but even before that, you know, the empire was basically the remnants of the Republic and the clone troopers were absolutely badass. And then they still replaced them with just like recruits. So <laughs> the, the empire is more about numbers, quantity, not quality. That's the empire. Uh, okay. Hence the tie fighters that blow up all the time. Cause they don't really care that they lose <laughs> them, like mass produce them. So anyway, um, yeah, and also, you know, speaking to kind of like the Mandalorian way, like Bo-Katan is, for less of a better term, like the heir to Mandalore. But like she goes in first, knife out, just whooping ass, and she's always kind of the lead. And mm-hmm. then the female with her is kind of like her backup, like the specialty, you know, go take, go do something. Like she dove into the water to get Baby Yoda. Um, and then the dude is kind of, you, you see him like, He's always kind of in the back, like watching their six, um, and he does that a right. couple times in the sequence. So, like you said, they have their roles and they know what they're doing. But like Bo is at the front. I will say here, like this is a good example of how to make, <clears throat> excuse me, how to make a strong female character without like shoving the soapbox like social justice warrior woke like 
agenda down people's throats, right? Like right. you don't get you don't you don't get any sort of quippy lines about, you know, her being a female or men sucking or like you don't really see scenes of like the dude in her crew like fumbling ar- around and messing up or anything like no you just see Bo as like this amazing incredibly strong incredibly brilliant like tactician leader who mm-hmm. like knows what she needs and like knows exactly how to get what she needs and it's like dude that's all you got to do to like create yeah. an Someone's... empowering female character like just make them a good character and yeah it's like, just laziness you mission know. accomplished but I, yeah. I feel like that's a whole other like we could do a whole separate podcast on things like that so i don't want to hijack this episode yeah but, i'll just say captain marvel lazy um, <laughs> right lazy exactly. execution of that so segue here into not hijacking our episode but you know the crew here is successful in hijacking this cruiser ship um we get you know the the cool fight sequence uh down to basically the cargo hull and uh yeah kind of take us through that yeah so you know they're advancing through the ship captain's kind of like trying to maintain order here and he's like hold them off until we can um get to the fleet because in that time he's like hey what are the rules again forget the rules of the port like ascend let's go so like the ship starts like cranking um because it seems like he's trying to get to the fleet he wants to jump to hyperspace get to the fleet and i think kind of like capture these pirates if you will um and in that also you get some dialogue where you hear over the the comm like you know there's 10 maybe 20 and then like the pilot's like <laughs> there's four life forms yeah. <laughs> that's you know it's just just hitting the fan yeah so but back to your point before we go any further like like, I think his thought process is, like, if we get to hyperspace, like, they can't, what, what are they going to do? Just jump out into space and jetpack their way back to Trask? Like, what, they can't do anything. Like, if if we can at least get to hyperspace and make it back to the fleet, like, one, we have a shot of surviving. And two, like, they kind of look like amazing, you know, mm-hmm. an amazing crew of the empire right they're able to capture four mandalorians and and kind of like deliver them so yeah and that's kind of that's kind of apparent because you know when they get down to the the cargo hold and obviously they blast away in there but the the chicken shit other captain guy officer was just like close the doors yeah. and he's like which one he's like all of them like that yeah, real panic close them bro get them uh, he's kind of he kind of reminded me of like you know in like an office show or something like just the the lazy dumb you know thinks he's in charge kind of guy but really he's just like a little chicken shit and he's just like just close the doors and then <laughs> close the doors and captain's like so uh what's up he's like we, you know, we locked him in, we locked him in the cargo controller. He's like, uh, the what? <laughs> and just think it's all get jettisoned. <laughs> yep. Sucked right out the back. The old so, cruiser just poops him out. Yeah. So then in the dialogue, you learn that he's like, what are you guys going to do? Just jump out with some of our, our loot, some of our crates here. And, uh, what, we're going to hunt you down anyway. She's like, no, no, no. Have a cup of tea. 
put some tea on. We're we're coming up. We're taking the whole ship. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and at this know, point, Din Din does his you know classic like you changing can't see terms his face, on me, but like you can tell his whole mood just changes by the way he whips his helmet around. <laughs> He's like, well, excuse he's pissed. Me. He's like, you're changing the terms. He's like, this is not what I signed up for. (laughs) And here Um, we see again, like his, like he's so rigid in like, you know, this is what we said we're going to do. So this is what we got to do. Right. There's like not much flexibility with this guy. Right. And I think she delivers a very good, like, this is the way, like she doesn't really (laughs) give him much of a reason why what is happening is happening. She's like, she executes her leadership. It's just like, this is what's happening. Right. <laughs> Deal with it, bro. <laughs> like, and he just kind of falls in line and yeah. he's kind of figuring it out. Um, obviously he knows how to get to what he needs. So he just kind of plays along. Yeah. But here we kind of get her like, so slowly throughout the episode, Bo is like leaking out her plan, right? Like little droplets mm-hmm. at a time. But like here she reveals like, the true plan like exactly what she's trying to accomplish here yeah and you, you get that you get that look from mercedes she kind of like side eyes them having that conversation because she obviously knows like what the what Bo's intent is the whole time mm-hmm. um so yeah you know the next thing is they're going to press the you know go for the bridge and that's when you see a a reappearance of gideon finally for yeah, the first time this fr- season, our boy Moff is back. Yeah, Moff Gideon. So the officer's <laughs> making, uh, you know, uh, now he is now the chicken shit of the ship, and he's just like, "Hey, we need backup." Gideon's like, "Uh, how much of the ship have they taken? Like everything but the bridge." He's like, "Eh, a little late for that." You know what to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I yeah. like how the pilots are just kind of like, "Ah, oh, fuck." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, "Uh, oh, well, GG." Typical. Typical <laughs> imperial style, blast yeah. your officers, and you know, yep. so he jumps in the driver's seat and starts the nosedive towards the sea. Great, great sound, great visuals there. Once again, like you can, you know, you they capture the fact that this thing is nosediving, and you even yeah. have Mercedes like 10,000 feet, 9,000 feet. Um, and then basically, they arrive at kind of like a choke point right those stormtroopers are kind of like held up in that doorway and they're really kind of just laying some fire down the hall um yeah. and they're just like oh we're not gonna make it and mando puts his big boy pants on he's like i'm gonna do what i do and just dive head first into the problem <laughs> yeah. yeah he uh yeah he goes all rambo on him and he's just like oh whatever they can't hit anything right <laughs> well <laughs> they hit him a few times thank yeah. goodness for that beskar but yeah get some Get some thermal detonators or grenades into there, blows them up. Um, I think that's a that's a big moment. I think for kind of Bo and her crew, like they they're like, all right, this guy gets it. Um, yeah. He's on board and now. So yeah, they get into the now, bridge. Go before ahead. we go any further, do you think this is uh, like Mando's? Like, well, if I don't do anything, like we're all gonna die. Or do you think he's like, well, like. I finally see the way, like, I want to help Bo, like, accomplish what she's trying to do. Like, basically, is is his action a, like, self-preserving action, or is he, like, becoming a part of the crew and, like, proving his worth type deal? You know, it's kind of 50-50. 
I think because you see this in the you know when they do the same sequence on the prison ship in season one, and he doesn't like those those assholes, but he does what needs to be done in the situation. Like here's the mission, so like he accepted the mission to take the bridge, so he's going to get it done. Um, but also in part, I think he's he's you know he's falling in line here with Bo's vision. So I think it's both like a self-preservation thing, get the job done, but also like, all right, these these other Mandalorians are living up to what they claim to be. Nice. Um, so yeah, they bust into the bridge. They restrain the officer. Um, and then Mercedes and Din take control of the ship and proceed to try and save it. Meanwhile, Bo's got her knife out, like, interrogating the officer like a badass. Yeah, she's got her, like, <clears throat> Assassin's Creed, like, sleeve blade. Love it. Yeah, I think rowdy. Um, I even feel like it was stylized, painted in some way, but maybe I was just seeing things. Um, but, you know, she's asking him some questions. She's like, where is it? He's like, does he have it? And he's just kind of like, if you're asking these questions, like, you already know. And it was very apparent. Like, she knows. Um, and really they should have just stowed away and let them get taken to him. And, you know, that could have been a whole different arc to this show, but that's not where we're going with it. Um, cause that would have got her to where she needs to go. Like she needs to go after Moff Gideon and get, and she says it, she names it the dark saber. Yeah. Um, so you were right, bruh. Um, but yeah, I think to like logically think through the, thought process of like not doing that is you know moff gideon is going to be surrounded you know entrenched by yeah a, a massive fleet and army so as much as she wants the dark saber uh now like i think she's like well i gotta you know get my own fleet ready right and the contents of this ship are going to help accomplish that yeah she's definitely not as one track mind is maybe Din is because she, mm -hmm. she has a lot of plans and a lot of things to do. Cause once again, she still wasn't lying about the fact that they're going to take this ship. They're going to take these guns and they're going to help the effort here to take back Mandalore. Um, dark saber is a really good bonus on top of all that, but it can wait. Um, like you said, it just isn't, you know, the diehard mission there. Right. So, He's just, she's like, you know, I won't kill you. And he's like, whatever. He's like, if you don't, <laughs> Gideon's going to kill me. And then bites yeah. like a Star Wars cyanide capsule. That is right. sweet. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty much like, well, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to kill you because you can take me to him. Right. And he's mm -hmm. like, ah, tough luck, bro. And then chomps I'm down dying on either way. Old. Yeah. She's like, oh, if I take you to him, he's just going to kill me. So might as well do it myself with honor yep um but yeah so <clears throat> he me. dies he dies and he dies. then they save the ship they yep. very closely you know they almost hit the water but they pulled it up just in time that poor port authority once again like what is going <laughs> on yeah. we need to really get some like security like something flying in the air to like help us anyways um so you know they kind of all have like a little moment there. Bo's just like, Hey, you know, we're still doing what we're doing. You're welcome to come. 
and you know we want you to come um but he's like yeah but i gotta go you can see it through his armor and his voice always just well done there that he's kind of reluctant i think or like he's a little more like he's like he's like i still have to go do this thing but he's not as kind of one tracked mind on it as he was before yeah, um, i don't think he completely like shuts the idea out of his mind right and um he's like you know i gotta go do this thing so like where can i find the jedi so bo's like hey you know she once again I, she's really well acted um because you can like kind of see it in her face like there's a lot being s- said through her eyes right and I, I i she does that to like her own teammates there and like even to him like she understands and she's giving him his space to kind of do what he needs to do and eventually he'll come around so yeah. she's like go to corvus or a city on corvus and find a sogotano and let her know Bo-Katan sent you. And that's a huge confirmation of a lot of rumors that Ahsoka Tano is going to be in The Mandalorian. So a lot of the things in this show are just telling people to go watch Clone Wars and Rebels. Because that is where both Bo-Katan and Ahsoka Tano are like fully fleshed out on their backstory. Are those movies or are they like animated series? Animated series. Okay. So, yeah, so Dave set up a lot of these story arcs with Clone Wars, and that is all the events between Episode 2 and Episode 3. And then Rebels is everything between Episode 3 and Episode 4, but before Rogue One. Okay, that makes sense. Um, um, and then and there, my, my favorite part of the episode here is actually go ahead and finish what you're saying. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, I was just going to say in rebels, um, flushes out a lot of Ahsoka Tano and Bo kind of like leading up to this point in time, if that makes sense. So the last time we've really kind of see those two and what they're doing is in rebels. Mm. Okay. And, uh, Ahsoka Tano is rumored to be the character that rosario dawson is supposed to be playing correct um so that'll be cool she's a pretty phenomenal actress so uh, excited to see what she does with this character that i know nothing about but mm-hmm. one day we'll learn um but yeah you'll so have we to get... watch the clone wars i know and rebels add it, add it to the list right <laughs> yes sir um but yeah we get my favorite part of the episode where mando just like yeets off the cruiser <laughs> <laughs> he just like walks out the door just like yeet. Yeah, and like before that, like when they're in the bridge there, um, you know, she gives him a very heartfelt, sincere, this is the way. And like yeah. he says it back. And in that moment, like he ex- he now I think has a much bigger understanding of what the way is. Yeah. Like he's on board with this larger sense of the way. Right, and it's you're right. It's a completely different tone and like a 180 from the snarky like, this is the way. Like you gotta help us. Like uh, earlier, mm-hmm. what back in the cargo hold when she's right. like, we're taking the ship, and he's like, what? Uh, so yeah, it was really cool to see that uh, the the like resolution and like mutual respect that we see between Bo and Din. Um, I thought that was like really really great. And uh, you're right, uh, the actress that plays Bo did such a great job 
with the nonverbal stuff, like um, just really conveying the emotions and like the gratitude and the leadership and, you know, whatever else, you know, she conveyed here throughout the entire episode with, you know, her face and like her body language and uh, she, it was just very well acted. Super. Yeah. Great. I mean, cause she entirely, she, her lines say one thing, but her body language and like the way she says things is a completely different conversation between her and Mando. That's never really spoken. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing this evolution of Mando and his acceptance into this wider universe. It, it was right. just really cool. I really liked it a lot. And, I mean, even to say, like, that story arc right there, executing itself in, what, 20 minutes? Right, yeah. And, like... You can't get that in a two-hour movie these days. Right. We've talked so much about everything that's in this episode, and it's the shortest episode of the season. And it's, like, so much to unpack here and, like, so many things to move the main plot line along. And... It's just it's it is shocking that this is the shortest episode <laughs> so yeah. far. Um, but uh, yeah, so Mando yeets off the cruiser and you know gets back to the sitters to relieve them of their duties, and uh, you get the get the obligatory cute scene with Baby Yoda and the little tadpole floating around in the dish, and of course my mind goes to. Like, was he sad that he had to leave because he wanted to eat the tadpole? <laughs> or was he just, like, you know, wrapped up in the cuteness of this little baby and, like, wanted to play with it? I want to I wanna lean towards that, but you never know with this guy. You know, I think, like, he was kind of, like, touching it, kind of. I feel like, given enough time, he might try to eat it. I really do. <laughs> he, he tries to eat everything, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And he's putting much larger, more evolved things in his mouth than a tadpole frog person. Right. Um, so, I mean, when they're taken off in the very Davy Jones kind of fix up of Mando's <laughs> yeah. ship, yeah. Um, you know, that squid thing, that thing was rowdy, but yeah. he eats that right up. Yep. Uh, but yeah, speaking of the Razor Crest. That's still a heaping pile of garbage. Like, there was nothing really done to it. But, like... It's held together like string. Right. Can can Din please just get get a new ship, bro? Like, you gotta let it go. No, he can't get a new ship. It needs fixed. It's like like Han Solo getting rid of the Millennium Falcon. (laughs) It just can't be done. Yeah. You fix it. Come on, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta take care of business there. Like, how is that thing still flying? But even the Falcon has been ever been that beat up. Well, maybe at the end of Solo, it was pretty rough. Yeah, I was gonna say that thing got pretty wrecked. Yeah, um, eh, it's about in the same state. It'll get fixed up. But uh, so now that we kind of like got the recap through, let's let's revisit the the whole Dark Saber and Moff Gideon mm, and Bo yeah. like knowing about that. So in our first episode of the companion series we kind of lightly touched on this possible arc of moff gideon and the dark saber and so this this whole conversation with with Bo knowing about the dark saber <clears throat> which if it's truly a you know 
uh, a weapon that's passed down through Mandalorians and stuff. Obviously, it makes sense that she knows about the Darksaber. But, like, how does she know that Moff Gideon has it? Like, what does that mean? Does that mean, like, the theory that we had where Moff might have been a Mandalorian that defected to the Empire? Like you were saying, Mandalorians have worked with the Empire. Did Was he one of them and he, like, stole this and, like, now he's, a, you know, a leader in the Empire? Or is this something that, like, when the Empire came and tried to overtake Mandalore that he, you know, stole while they were there and like booked it out of there or are we talking about you know again like is this something he stumbled upon and then realized like how great and powerful this thing is and what this weapon really means like what what's the connection there do you have any theories or anything so if i recall correctly at the end of no spoilers um but at the end of last time we see the dark saber bo-katan is actually in possession of it um so definitely things have gone down between then and now. Like the Empire has fallen. Are and... you talking like big picture? Because I think the last time we actually see the Darksaber is when Sorry. he cuts himself out. But Sorry. you're, you're outside... talking about like big yeah, outs... picture wise. Yeah, like outside of the Mandalorian. <clears throat> so before we see Moff Gideon with it, Bo is in possession of it. So Okay. It's also assumed that the Empire is gone, at least in the sense that Darth Vader and the Emperor are dead. So there's a power grab here, and Moff Gideon is somebody who is trying to consolidate power um, and rebuild the Empire to some degree. So he definitely has the Darksaber either, you know, he's either, like you said, a Mandalorian, and he's, you know, just went full Empire, and he's just trying to consolidate power through it and even like Mandalore itself, or he is just an Imperial who knows he can find and build power with the dark saber. Um, so that's kind of yet, yet to be seen, but just kind of knowing what Gideon's motives are here. He's got, a, he, he's still pretty mysterious. He's after baby Yoda. He has the dark saber. Like he has some pretty meta driven plot hole, plot lines here. Is, is there any link between the Darksaber and Yoda's species, whatever they are? What do, Is that ever, like, named in the Star Wars universe? Like, what species Yoda is? Yet to be named. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, do you think there's, like, a connection there? Or are they, like, two separate things that he is just trying to acquire to, you know, take hold of whatever power he's trying to amass. So the the only connection I can draw between the Darksaber and Baby Yoda, and in the sense that Baby Yoda is a Force wielder, uh, specifically a Jedi, is that the Darksaber was created in a time of eternal war almost between, a never-ending war between the Jedi and the Mandalorians. So, like the Man- so a Darksaber is able to basically fight on par with a lightsaber um so it being some sort of relic used to fight the jedi and baby yoda being a force sensitive being he's driving at something there exactly what i don't know but he's definitely either trying to fight whatever jedi are left and he needs baby yoda for something and uh so you said the last time 
like in the canon, uh, Bo had the dark saber. How did she acquire that? Is that just passed down through, you know, because the episode's called the heiress, so I'm assuming she is the heir to the throne of Mandalore, right? So is is the dark saber wielded by the leader of Mandalore, or like? Do you understand what I'm asking? Is that question making any sense? Because I don't know, like, if I'm making sense asking. No, yeah. So the Darksaber, basically, whoever has the Darksaber has the right to claim the title of Mandalore, being the leader of the Mandalorians. Um, it, typically, it's they do a whole kind of one-on-one duel thing like so like someone challenges you to the duel it's mm. like a fight of honor and whoever wins gets the dark saber and becomes the ruler it's blah, very blah, blah. viking like yeah so the dark saber is actually lost for a good while um and it was slowly refound during the show rebels um so through the timeline through, through the storyline there um another mandalorian comes upon it who's a main character in rebels and through a story arc there, she gives it to Bo because she recognizes Bo as, you know, a better leader of Mandalorian since she, mm. okay. So, so Bo was like, kind of like helping her and like Bo has a really, uh, good story arc because she is the sister of the previous actual ruler of Mandalore. Like her, her sister was like a peace, a peaceful hippie kind of thing. Like she's all about peace and diplomacy and you know, her sister was off with death watch trying to restore the old way. Um, so, but she never has really seen herself as a ruler, more so a warrior, but over her story arc, she has become that ruler leader and grown into that role. And that kind of comes to fruition at the end of rebels where, you know, it's it was given to her as that is her duty. Nice. Um, so what I'm taking away from this is maybe I take a detour on my my Star Wars content. Put the movies on pause here, and maybe attack like Rebels. Or you, do know, you think? Well, do you think I need like base knowledge from? the different movies before i go into like clone wars or rebels uh not particularly well if you want to go into clone wars you should watch episodes two and then three like if you uh yeah i mean if you want to put the series in there in between the movies it might take you a while um but there are lists online where they're like the key episodes in each the rebels and clone wars that you need to see for certain story arcs because hmm. I'm, so, I'm gathering that like the the overarching main plot line of Mandalorian is heavily involving the lore from Rebels, from what you're saying. Yeah, because the Rebels is the last big bit of content that's canon before the Mandalorian. Okay. Because it, it goes, let's see here, it goes Rebels, the original trilogy... Rebels Rogue One, the original trilogy, um, and then The Mandalorian. Okay, okay. So there's four seasons of Rebels? Yeah. It's a good watch, honestly. Are uh, they, they're like shorter episodes? 
Yeah, they're all like 20, 30 minutes. Oh, I might be able to pound that out quick. Yeah, it's a... It was on Disney Channel. Like, it's a kid's show. Um, but by the time you get into seasons three and four, it matures a lot. Um, the first couple of seasons are really setting up the characters and stuff. But it's a good show. And, I mean, its ending is top-notch. Nice. You'll have to give that a shot then um, because it's it's starting to sound like more and more story from from that series is playing a big part into where we're going with Mando. Yeah, and that explains a lot of like Bo-Katan and um, the Darksaber now and like Mandalorians too. Now, for Ahsoka Tano coming up here, you kind of need to like watch all of the Clone Wars <laughs> and there's seven seasons. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. <laughs> but, hey, just looking here on, uh, you know, Google, uh, the Google, it tells me that Star Wars Rebels got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which it's pretty For impressive. Real? Yeah. I mean, it's a good show. 8 out of 10 on IMDb and 100% certified fresh. Um, but, yeah, so uh, I'm really excited to see, like, don't get me wrong, last week's episode was pretty cool, but like mm-hmm. I love seeing the main plot line be pushed along. And this episode was just jam packed full of little tidbits and like big tidbits and and we got some new characters and I really hope that we're able to see Bo Katan in future episodes. I hope she's not just like a one and done character that we've seen in, in throughout the series uh, a bunch of times. And yeah, I'm I just, mean, they're I'm, they're so badass. They can get their own show at this point, right? Yeah, so many spinoffs, um, <laughs> so many spinoffs. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I mean it leaves a question in my mind: if Baby Yoda and Din, their kind of little storyline here, is going to end, if you will, and he's going to continue on with the bow, Katan story arc and we're going to see more of her or if that's just going to be kind of like a passing pivot piece to get to the next story arc with him and it's more so Gatano and him and you know it leaves a lot of questions as to like where this entire season is going to end up I do think they're probably going to put in some filler before we get to see a so Gatano um because 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 this is the way <laughs> there this are no the way hurry. of Disney <laughs> you know yeah but but they're also in no hurry to tell this story. And looking back on it, like the last episode on the ice planet, which apparently was the same one from the first episode of all of Mandalorian. Oh, really? Apparently. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, but you know, you're like, Oh, this is a filler episode. But think of how like much it fits into this episode. Right. Yeah. And how much just more, it's just they're taking the time to just do stuff and they're in and i was reading an article where you know they're like you know dave is still kind of developing these story arcs he set up 10 years ago and is apparently in no hurry to you know wrap them up right well i mean what's the point this is a giant cash cow for disney like yeah star wars fans uh though volatile at most times uh, i think this series is mainstream enough that i mean everybody watches this show right 
and Might they're as well. going t- to continue to watch the show no matter what really i mean so. well i saw i saw a good uh a good it was either an article or it was a meme but it was like it was dave and john and they were like basically this episode was a complete setup to go make people watch their other two series rebels <laughs> and star and clone wars dude i literally just said that so it's true 100 percent true um but yeah uh yeah, I'm I'm excited. Well, and the other thing that I want to say, you know, before we end, um, with this series, it's very hard to tell like what what characters will stay and what characters are like one offs, right? And you can't even tell by your normal cues and, that and clues that you might see in other shows where like Rosario Dawson, huge actress, right? So like. Mm-hmm you would expect that her character will stick around and be a, you know, play a major part in at least a season. Right. Uh, but it's star Wars and we've already seen in the show, like they bring in super famous actors for like super tiny roles. And like a lot of them are just one off episodes. Right. So you never know. Like, well, I think with the success of Mandalorian and they obviously have a great formula for doing the live action Star Wars now um, outside of the the movies. They basically, if you can land a major character in Star Wars, so Ahsoka Tano, Bo-Katan, you're setting yourself up. Even if you're like a couple episodes in this series, you might get your own series. True. Um, Because Ewan McGregor was in 1999 in episode one in the first prequel he has since reprised his role in those movies um and has done so in other areas but also is getting his own series now um i think it's just going to be a single season but you know basically you're just landing yourself on the the star wars disney payroll um so (laughs) so i mean if i were anyone i would be like man if i can land the well, I mean, look at Boba Fett. Um, he has he was in episode two as Jango Fett. Then he's been every single clone trooper in all the movies, and then now is reprising his role as Boba Fett in The Mandalorian. Yep, and getting his own series. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, those are very good points. Uh, but as being a, a fan of the Mandalorian series strictly you're still like you can't look at stuff like that and be like oh well and assume that that character is going to be around for a long oh, time right. cuz they might mm-hmm. they might not it might just be a, a one and done and then like you're saying some of those characters like you're talking years and years and years until they reappear right or they get their own series so yeah they do i think they do a good job of like not really being able to reveal too much when like casting leaks and stuff come out right because you know it's it's not new news that rosario dawson is playing this character like that's been leaked for a a long time but that doesn't mean she's going to be in the show for very long and it doesn't mean her character is going to you know be around yeah you know i mean so it's kind of like a cool like hidden debuff that disney has for mandalorian (laughs) yeah and you know there 
there's things that get spoiled like that, but there's still, everyone still wants to know, like, how is she going to be introduced? How does it tie in? There's still mm-hmm. a lot of mystery to it. Um, yeah. And it's, and it, it makes me wonder about the future shows. So they're obviously going to do a lot of more live action shows. So are they going to be more traditional and focused, right? On like set characters, or are they going to be more like the Mandalorian where they're just going to be weaving this network of shows where the Mandalorian is going to be in those as a cameo? Um, or is Mandalorian just kind of like this, this thread that is setting up all these other shows? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm seeing could... major similarities between the potential Mandoverse and uh, CW's like Arrowverse. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. you, I don't know if you've ever watched like Green Arrow or. <clears throat> no, me, but I've heard Flash about the. Or, yeah. But basically, Green Arrow started and ran for a season or two and did a really cool job of like interweaving other DC heroes and storylines and stuff that weren't just Green Arrow related. And then you have spinoffs like The Flash and then right. Legends of Tomorrow and Black Lightning and blah, blah, blah. You know, all these other side characters end up getting their own shows, which basically is, I mean, happening here right um but yeah like i'm seeing a lot of similarities in that sense of mandalorian and green arrow where green arrow was like the launching pad for all these other things but also like a great show on its own obviously and and, until we get into later seasons and it basically becomes like a teen angsty like teen Mm -hmm. romance show which is super annoying but um yeah uh, i'm excited to see you know what ends up happening here yeah and I forgot to mention this nice little tidbit when he jumps to hyperspace at the end of this episode, just one piece of the razor crest is just left behind floating because it's falling apart. Yep. Think that's going to lead to anything? Uh, yeah. The ship just blows up in hyperspace and it's over. <laughs> and the series is over. <laughs> that's the last time we see Mando and baby Yoda. Yeah. And also, rip baby yoda's little cradle pod like that thing's toast what's he gonna do man he's got to carry him around everywhere now yeah and dude that made it died yeah double rip man so many rips uh but yeah i mean this has been my favorite episode of the companion series so far there was so much to unpack here and i had a lot of fun uh getting to ask a lot of probably very noobish and silly questions to someone as in engulfed in the star wars universe as you well i mean i think these are this is the point where there's a lot of questions for a lot of people even star wars fans because they're reaching into you know the shows and a lot of newer canon so it's fun they're and they're still flushing a lot of it out and it's still very much new but yeah, it was a great episode, and I think it might be the best episode of Mandalorian, at least in my opinion. Um, at least it had the best sequence, action sequence there at the end. Yeah, I would agree. Top nice. notch. Well, uh, yeah. So that's that. Chapter 11, The Heiress. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, Nick, for the wonderful recap and guide through the episode. Uh and thank you to our friend SJT for the amazing remix of the Mandalorian theme song that he graciously allows us to use 
for all of our Mandalorian Companion Series episodes. If you haven't done so already, uh, all the links to his pages and channels are in our episode descriptions on YouTube and Anchor. Please check him out and follow him where you can. Uh, He's pretty great, great uh, producer, and this, this beat is fire. So enjoy. That's all I have. How about you? That's all I got. Cue that sick beat. We have spoken... Nice.